0: Uh, Let me uh, let me give you a little official introduction here for people who are just joining the podcast. Uh, Walter Hoy is uh, is a Christian. He's married. He's the father of two adult children. Licensed and ordained Baptist preacher who serves as both president and founder of the Issues for Life Foundation, California Civil Rights Foundation, founder of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, core member of the National Black Pro Life Coalition. Sits on the board of the Morning Center. Which is founded to provide free full service maternity care for women in urban and underserved areas and serves as a leadership consultant he's also in demand as a speaker and consultant how he has found time i don't know but he has written a book called <laughs> leadership from the inside out and he was uh, he was the subject of a book black and pro-life in america written by my friend and former colleague investigative journalist rob artigo and they're both with me right now and that's how i came to know about walter Uh, Walter Hoy. Walter, what a great pleasure it is to meet you after I read your story.
1: My goodness, you've been so kind. Thank you very much. I I thought Robert did an excellent job. I don't think the book would be what it is if it wasn't for his fantastic journalism.
0: Before we get to the book, and I do want to get to it just, you know, we're not going to tell the entire story, but get, get the good, solid background. We are just... We're rather fortunate, at least from my, my perspective, in that uh, we're, we're meeting here just a few days after the Supreme Court landmark decision overturning Roe v. Wade and uh, need to start there because that's our topic is abortion in America and wondering how you're feeling now after that decision. Well, you know, n- number one,
1: we're, we're ecstatic. We're excited. We're happy. Uh, thank God that it, it, it's been reversed. Uh, there's no question about that. Abortion has been legal since 1967. And of course, Roe came into place in 73. But um, today we are still still very, very happy that it got reversed. But it was the way it got reversed that gave us some concern. How so? Well, they had a couple of ways of doing that. They, they could reverse Roe based on the interpretation or uh, an opinion of some legal president. You know, and so right. now it's no longer applicable but if they had reverse role based on the 14th amendment lord have mercy then the states would no longer have the right to decide whether they're going to do abortions or not make it legal or not it's the, it's the same thing that, that happened with slavery uh, after the civil war 1865 you know boom Uh, We've got the 13th Amendment and slavery in and of itself is bad. Nobody can be anybody, not not in America, period. What state? But then the 14th Amendment was absolutely necessary because that made Black Americans persons as described in the United States Constitution. You know, slavery is illegal. Okay, you can't do it, but who are and what are Black Americans? Well, we're persons as described in the United States Constitution. And then only after that was the 15th Amendment even possible? Now we can vote. It's not explicitly uh, lay it out, the 15th Amendment that Black Americans can vote. You see, without the 14th Amendment, Lord have mercy, I, I don't know what we would be uh, considered today as, as Black Americans in the United States of America. And if they want to reverse it in a way that states don't have the, the way, the opportunity to legalize it in their state, that's what they need to consider: uh, the child inside the womb, from fertilization all the way up to the end of his or her life. Uh, they're a person, a person that's already described in the United States Constitution. So they didn't have to go far; they, they didn't have to do anything uh, special. They just needed to highlight it. And lastly, lastly, the one reason they should have highlighted it was that Harry H. Blackman. The Supreme Court justice that wrote the opinion, the majority opinion, said if personhood was established, Roe couldn't even begin to be legalized. It would have collapsed. Mm -hmm. That has always been.
0: You're talking about the original decision, the Roe v. Wade. Yes,
1: I am. Yes, I am. That's always been its weakness. Even the majority opinion makers say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, If it could be established that a child inside the womb is a human being, a person. Oh my goodness! Uh, abortion could have never even been legalized in the first place, right? So, uh, you know, we're happy it's been overturned, but we wish we had it had been overturned uh, differently.
0: <sighs> Rob, anytime you want to jump in here, please do. When I've got specific questions for you, I'll, I'll toss them out. But you know, all the uh, it's it's so frustrating watching people's reactions to this thing. It was predictable, of course there are a lot of people very unhappy and they're all saying things like uh, you know the, the court has declared war on women and uh you know so so it's, i think is kind of uh narrow-minded and all, all the supreme court did was the supreme court's job is to determine whether or not something is constitutional based upon a letter of federal law and uh, and uh, various precedents that might have come down but they just turned it back over to the states. They did not make abortion illegal. And I'm wondering when America's going to figure that out.
2: Uh, I think it's you're right. The impact of seeing these words come back now um, is just an echo of everything that the uh, the pro abortion side has uh, argued over the years when they have come up with the um, very hyperbolic language um, to say To argue that this is outlawing or making abortion illegal is it is just an outright uh, untruth. And and that needs to be called out. But the media is ignoring that fact because um, the reality is it goes back to the states. It's it's not illegal simply because of Roe v. Wade. Other laws have to be enacted for that to take place. And we know that in some places it will some places it'll it'll uh, find that middle ground that'll be like the uh, safe, legal and rare type of thing. Some places it'll just not be uh a um the preferred way to go, abortion that is for the community. They'll say no. And then other places like in California, they'll do this where here where I am, they have uh, you know, an effort to make sure that it's uh, legal abortion all the way up into birth. All the way up to birth. And so there's an extreme movement out there for uh it, for any kind of That's, abortion. That is
0: particularly incredible when you consider that for all these years ever since Roe uh, w- was approved, for all these years, the, the primary conversation was trying to determine when life begins. And now state of California has decided doesn't matter. We decide life begins when, when the baby enters the, ro- enters the world. That's mind-boggling given the fact that babies can survive. I have a, uh, I have a son who was, uh, three, four months premature. He's, he's 40 years old. He's doing fine. You know? So this is, a, this is a much bigger thing than, uh, than just a uh, legal issue. And Walter, I want to come back to you because of your, uh, your story and the book, uh, the book that Rob wrote, uh, black and pro-life in America about how you, how you embraced this topic when you did so long ago and you focused on the black community in there in uh, the northern california the oakland area where you were and uh, you took took your message to the streets tell us a little about that
1: oh my goodness i was literally caught in my office i'm i'm in my church office i'm i'm pastoring i'm I'm riding in the second chariot in, in my church. I'm the executive elder. And then of course we have our senior pastor. And I, I got a phone call and literally, literally the, the Catholic church friends of mine said, Hey, we got a plan. Uh We've been out there for years. We've been, you know, holding up our signs and passing out our pamphlets. When, when was this? This is what, what 2006, I believe. 10. And, uh. I said, what's your, what's your plan? They said, well, we think it would be next impossible for a woman to walk by her pastor, walk by her priest, walk by her, her elder, her deacon, you know, someone the homily or, you know, doing the sermon and, uh, you know, not say anything. And so I was the first one. They thought they'd try it. They did. Uh, I did go out there. I was there. And it turned out they were absolutely right. It was almost next to impossible. And so m- many of the women... Uh, that get abortions so today are, are, are either Protestants or Catholic or Christian in some ways. And some of them literally recognized me. They'd walk up to me and say, Hey, preacher. And so they knew they knew. And we, we start having a discussion. And from that discussion, oh my goodness. Um, Things change. Things change.
2: Yeah. This well, is Walter in front of the, uh, you know, the abortion clinic there in Oakland, a for-profit facility in downtown Oakland, where the the patrons were primary primarily women of color, and so it made an effective difference because Walter was standing out there, and that's what disturbed them, and so they it prompted their later actions.
0: Yeah, the actions which were correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Walter. It's just uh, it was aimed directly at you, and the Oakland uh, Oakland government uh, said, "Okay, we're going to make this." We're going to make this uh, this a rule where you can't get within eight feet of a person on the sidewalk. They couldn't prevent you from being on the sidewalk in front of the clinic, but they could prevent you from getting any closer than eight feet. All you were trying to do was hand out information, have a little conversation. If a woman wanted to have conversation with you, you weren't being pushy, you weren't forcing yourself, and you certainly weren't using foul language or, or intimidating people in any way, shape, or form. But then the clinic correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, started sending people out to block your signs and to block you from view and, and to block your opportunity to talk with women. Is that right?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I, was, I was literally out there on the public sidewalk with two senior women from my church, and we we're, you know, a, a black church, and so all of us were, were black Americans. And literally I had a sign, and my sign simply said, "God loves you." and your baby, let us help you. That was it. That was all All the signs said. But again, many of them recognized that I was a preacher and they would talk. They, we were having that intimate conversation, a conversation they couldn't have with their, their parents or their friends or their boyfriend. I'm trying to be nice now. And when we had that conversation in front of the clinic, hearts and minds changed and it was changed dramatically and oh my goodness i could talk more about it but again robert did a great job uh in the book writing about
0: it upshot is uh you actually went to jail over all this out of standing in front of a clinic on the public street yeah simply talking to people how did how did they get to that point
1: oh my goodness there was one day i was only i'm busy in my church. there was only one day a week i had even time i had two hours on one day it was a tuesday and one particular Tuesday, I, had, I was out there, and the abortion clinic had like 27 appointments. There's no way that they could do 27 abortions in a two-hour time frame. But the women weren't coming for the abortion. That was just their excuse to come and talk to me. And so, literally, they were almost waiting in line to talk to me because I didn't care what, what they needed. Uh, yes, God loved them. Yes, God loved their baby. And then, you know, sisters, they ain't got no problem. You know, they just get right in your face. And they said, well, what you going to do, preacher? What you going to do to help me? And I didn't care what it was. I helped them. So they were literally coming just to get the help. Well, that was too much because it was becoming a now financial burden. People weren't coming to get the abortion. People were literally coming to get help. And so the Oakland, the mayor, the city council, the executive director, of the, the abortion clinic, the escorts leader, whoever, whatever title that was, the chief of police. They all got together in a meeting, and decided that, that I had to go. So they literally created a law just for me. And oh my goodness! Ultimately, it resulted in uh, court trials, pre-trial hearing, court trials themselves, jury, the whole bit. And ultimately, I was convicted and sent to jail.
0: Rob, you have something to add to this?
2: Well, I mean, I can't help but look at the juxtaposition between the recent protests at the homes of Supreme Court justices, that the same people who wanted to throw Walter in jail for standing in front of an abortion clinic on a public street say it's perfectly fine for people to make threats and stand in front of a Supreme Court justice's house and block uh, ingress and egress. And become a, a problem out there where it's a it's a safety issue for their their family and and anybody else who might want to come over. So, I mean, I, I look at that and I think um, it's it's stunning the the harsh reality about what this what abortion and the industry can't the power it has. And when Walter was talking about getting all these different levels, echelons of people involved to create the law, you know, it all, all it took was the clinic director to get on the phone and call somebody at city hall. And all of these dominoes started to fall as if they should have all that power, power that other businesses in the city don't have. And all of a sudden she, she calls and everybody, Oh, let's go out there and do, we got to do something about it. Never mind that people had been out there for a long time before that. Now that Walter's there, you got to call some out. Somebody should be out should
0: point them. I want to I want to point out because you did a very good job in the book of pointing this out and I'm sure people uh, listening to this will go well must have been because he's a black man uh but three of those members of the city council were black right and the and the and the mayor was Ron Dellums at the time correct so it wasn't a racial issue as much as it was in uh in what what you said in the book and what uh, Walter said just a couple of minutes ago, is um it was a profit making venture for that uh, clinic,
2: and I'm sure those those people at the clinic, were supporters of the people on the city council. Ron Dellums. Ron Dellums had all, virtually nothing to do with this other than the fact that he didn't say anything, hmm. during this time it, when he was asked about it. He just didn't address it. He was the mayor and he didn't he didn't do anything. But the other people on the city council, were active, and I'm sure Walter. Uh, felt though that race played a major role in why they decided that uh, why they decided to go after him.
0: But Walter, what about that? What, would you agree in terms of you personally, or in terms of the women that you were counseling?
1: I, I, I would say it's both in my mind. There's no question about it. It's not like there weren't other sidewalk counselors out there. They have been out there for years. Nothing would happen. Women were just walking by them. Nobody cared. Zero happen all right not a problem but when a black preacher gets out there with a couple of members from this congregation and they start recognizing that i'm a, I'm a preacher, and they start talking when we start talking you know minds are, are changing oh yeah that, that that's a problem on multiple levels and so yeah i, I would totally agree uh that uh, being a black american and being a, a, a preacher in politics and the money, oh Lord, the money played a role in creating the law that ultimately put me into it.
0: Didn't you say that uh, the the black population in parts of America were actually declining because of abortion and crime rates?
1: Wow, you must've been doing some research. Yeah, when you take a look at uh, uh, the black population at at best, we're 14% of, of America. Uh, but when you take a a look at at that in terms of the total fertility rate in other words the replacement level for the total fertility rate is 2.1 another in in order for you to just continue uh not necessarily grow large like the sand and the sea and the stars in the sky or or to decline just to maintain you got to do 2.1 well black america is now down to (laughs) 1.7 we're we're getting closer to 1.3 and 4, where that's, according to the Population Bureau, irreversibility. You can't come back from that. There's no economic model that has ever allowed
0: that. What were the women you spoke to? What, what were their reasons for going to that clinic? Uh, other than, and I think a lot of people who uh, who haven't had any kind of experience in either personally going into an abortion or thinking of one, or, or dealing with a friend who is in that position. I think a lot of people just say, well, these women are just using it as, as a, a form of contraception after the fact. You know, they should learn a little bit of, of uh, discipline in terms of their personal lives and that sort of thing. And while well, there's something to be said about that, but what, what specifically was it about these women that were coming in that neighborhood and talking to you because they were having a problem?
1: In many cases, their heart was broken. I mean, absolutely broken. They had trusted the man, and I'm trying to be nice, and yeah. he, he was often just absolutely terrible. He had betrayed it. They had, they had trusted their friends, their friends said, "Oh yeah, you know, this is, this is how life is, and uh, what you're doing there's nothing wrong with They' only to find out they're now in a position they wish they were not in. They trusted their, their parents. They thought their parents would, would step up. Uh, the parents didn't. And so now they're they're all alone. They trusted their preacher in their church to some extent, uh, maybe maybe to a great extent, but he never talked about it. And so she's sitting in church thinking that, well, my goodness, my pastor is awesome. He's bold, he's dynamic, he, he he's not afraid to preach about anything, but this one thing, and perhaps I've created or I've committed. A sin so bad that not even my pastor willing to even talk about it. She she's heartbroken. She doesn't know where to go. And so uh seeing me and talking to me and having that conversation is, you know, privately out there. Uh just what she needed.
0: Well, you you were highly unique in that you you were an African American pastor that wanted to get involved in this subject. And you and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think. I think you were surprised to learn that you didn't have the support of, uh, of your fellow African-American preachers and ministers.
1: At, at, at first, I thought that, oh, my goodness, uh, we're definitely going get, to get behind this. It was just a matter of being unaware. It was just a matter of not having the information. And after seeing the results of just one, you know, just myself and two others from our church being out there, and the lies that were being stated, the women that were, were being helped—I thought, oh my goodness, surely, surely, uh, this would become more popular. But unfortunately, it didn't.
0: Why? Why didn't it?
1: Well, uh, Rob knows um, that there are really four reasons why Black leadership rejects the pro-life movement. And so, if you if you get knee-deep in that, and that needs to be a podcast by itself. You yeah, know? I'm not going to get knee-deep in that right now. But when you understand the real reason why, the real reason why, not the, the rhetoric in the public square, not not what you know the other side of the equation, the pro-abortion, pro-industry side of the equation is is talking about or presenting, the real reason why leadership is not talking about it, only at that point can you begin to put together a strategy that can make a difference in their lives, and so. Uh, this for like foundation, that's our foundation. We, we understand those four reasons. We target black leadership and God has blessed us to be effective in doing so.
0: Are you finding, are you finding, uh, people being a little more sympathetic to your cause now than they were 20 years ago?
1: Uh, a, 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 a little bit, but again, you know, what we do to move the heart from a to be is is totally unique nobody in the country is 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 doing it and it allows us to have that intimate conversation with the pastor and when you when you do that when you get right down to the real reason why they're saying no a lot of things can change
0: forgive me for reading into this just a little bit please tell me if i'm way off base here but it seems to me that um that you're you're having trouble explaining this whole issue with other black pastors, because number one, uh, you're one of them. And number two, it's probably a cultural thing that I may not even be able to understand and that you would have difficulty explaining in a way that would be, uh, that would be understandable by me and acceptable to your peers. Am am I off base there? Just a little bit. It's, it's got, less to do with
1: race and it's got more to do with unconfessed sin in their lives. okay
0: okay i get it um rob do you have anything to add to this conversation at this point because i'm about to move on to another place here
2: well um no i mean <laughs> there is a uh, there's a financial incentive there for for support in the community if um and you know this uh from your years as a journalist and and you know oftentimes on the anchor desk you send somebody out to some some event and uh, there's a a black minister out there uh, talking about gun violence talking about this talking about that never talking about very rarely the exception of walter talking about something like abortion but talking about uh, various issues they've been invited out to stand and be the face of something. And normally there's a political motive there for it. Uh, and, and it's just, it happens way too often that, and a, aside from the fact that they might be post-abortive themself, themselves, themselves, mm-hmm. that Definitely. they may have that in their backgrounds. Aside from that, there is the, the financial motive. Uh, do you want to be liked? you want to be popular? you want to have people come to your church? Don't talk about abortion because that will end it for you. And so, so we don't get to have the, uh, and Walter will attest to this. We don't get to have the, uh, the honest conversations most of the time that we need to have. And the last thing I'll mention is just, uh, obviously one of the, uh, I've seen repeatedly people mentioning, well, since Roe v. Wade's been overturned, I want to see the, the, the fathers have to take more responsibility. Um, I want them to have to pay for that child for 18 years. And I want the government to go after these people. Like, why weren't we having that conversation before? Yeah, because right. that the, the parental, the absentee parent is mm-hmm. often one of the major problems for that, that child continuing that cycle going forward.
0: I think that's an excellent point, uh, but, 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 but there's another side to that too. This came up just a couple of days ago. Uh, right after the, the supreme court decision was announced my wife was on facebook and she uh, saw somebody some woman had posted uh, something to the extent to the uh, uh, what was it is not my uterus not not your uterus not your business or something to that effect and my wife got on there and said well excuse me but my son had a girlfriend who got pregnant by him and she decided on her own to have the abortion and didn't even bring him into the conversation. And he remains heartbroken to this day. So this is really a complex issue and it's always an individual story. Is it not?
1: Oh, sure. I, I, Oh, Robert, is this for you? or for, Go no, ahead. Wal- I'm go ahead, Walter. Go ahead, Walter. Yeah. I, I totally agree that it, it's, it's a it's a complex issue, but this is why personhood is so important. That child inside the womb of his or her mother is an individual child. We're now talking about life itself. And so at this point, you've got to consider well, does the other person in the equation? There's the mom, there's the dad, and now that baby is an individual individual human being and when you look at it from that perspective you look at it from the, the reality it's, it's a boy or girl inside the womb of his or her own mother now we're talking about taking the life of an individual human being and to think that there aren't any uh alternatives to that oh my goodness, that there are alternatives to that but to think that well there's nothing that could have been done oh yeah there's a lot of things that that could have been done and should be done, and in some cases are being done. I think we've got to look to the reality of the fact that what's on the inside of a woman is the living, breathing human being in the mode of fertilization. And that's how all human beings come into reality.
0: And we get uh, we get all wound up in, in uh, clinical discussions about you know when life begins and how conception proceeds through the embryonic stages to this that and it becomes so uh, dispassionate and so uh, apart from the reality of the human being as you say why even uh, those of us who are good and loving parents didn't really conceive of that baby being a child until we saw him or her for the first time outside of the womb that's when the reality is and so it's it's a I'm trying to wonder, you know, how how uh, how people can be made to understand what they're talking about is is uh, not a mistake. It's something that has occurred that's miraculous and must be cared for.
2: Walter has a uh, there's a great moment in the book about Walter, uh, where he is holding his premature son. You mentioned your premature son. Yeah. His premature son at the time had a very uh, little chance of survival. And they said, well, we want you to be able to hold him for a couple of minutes because you're probably not going to get another chance.
1: Yeah,
2: and he held, he held this baby premature twenty twenty two 22 weeks, Walter. I think it was 22 weeks. I can't recall, but it's something like that. And, and um, the realization Walter says um, my, that's when I realized the baby, the baby belongs in the womb there. And it, and it's a, it's a realization that our a, a woman who says it's my body, my choice is saying the is, is making the assertion that the baby's body is also hers. Right. Right. And, I, I, and again, I don't
1: think you can argue that point.
0: There's more than one body involved here. Yeah, a-
1: absolutely. I, I, I'm in the opinion war and I'm holding my son in the palm of my my, my right hand. And my son is, I uh, was born uh, around 2.1, and he ultimately dropped down to, to 1.6. Wow. And when I'm holding my son in the palm of my right hand, he's, he's, he's down 1.9. And for the first time, I started to really behold my son. I mean, before all I could see was the needles, the bandages, the hospital apparatuses, you know, I, that's all I could see. But this particular moment, I'm holding my son in the palm of my right hand, and he's moving around with right there, and I'm beholding him. I'm, I'm seeing his eyes, his fingers, his toes, and he looks just like me. And oh my goodness, that's when God literally spoke to me and said, Walter what you're holding in the palm of your right hand is what's supposed to be on the inside of the woman. I said, Oh my goodness, this is a living breathing human being. And when I understood that, when that became clear to me from directly from heaven, at that point, I knew where the boy was. And I knew what abortion boy got.
0: Wow. Yeah. What a moving story. I remember that now from your book, you know, what it reminds me of uh, this. I've been talking about this since, uh, my oldest son was born in 1977, so he's uh, he's, an, he's 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 middle aged man now, and uh, but the day he was born, his mother and I went to. She had to go to her doctor's appointment, and she came back. I just sat in the car. I was reading Alex Haley's Roots, which was a new book at the time, and she came out and says, "We have to go to the hospital. They want to induce labor now." I said okay, and I had. Not 20 minutes earlier, I had read the passage in Roots where, uh, where uh, Kunta Kinte's father in Africa takes him after he's born and takes him up to a hilltop at, at, at nighttime and holds the naked baby up to the sky and says, behold, the only thing in life greater than yourself. And okay. it just gave me goosebumps.
1: Oh, I, 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 absolutely. Oh, when we get right down to it, uh, the reality of, of God's creation becomes undeniable. But what you have to do is go beyond the pamphlet, the brochure, the sign. Uh, you need to be able to have that intimate conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you can have that, oh my goodness, you can get right down to what the real reason is. And when you understand what the real reason is, uh, then you can you know make the best decision.
0: Walter, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you right now. There's a little bit of background noise, so uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up here before too long. I just got one other thing I want to mention, but uh, if you could just make sure and speak up, I'll, I'll do the best I can to clean this up in uh, after we're finished talking. But I want to ask you about uh, because your focus uh, has been on African American families and and women who feel like they have no choice, no other o- option. I'm wondering too how much how much uh, is involved. Uh, For those women that uh, that uh, has to do with uh, economic suffering, Uh, you know, disproportionate percentages of of uh, black people versus whites in prisons and low income neighborhoods and schools and all of this stuff uh, where we still have real inequality between the races nearly about 160 years after racism was abolished. Is does this serve is this the bigger the bigger issue for, for black families?
1: You're talking about finances, the economic part yeah. of it. No, no, no. I, I don't think that's the big one. We were having that intimate conversation. She, she always referred to of the child in her room as her baby, not a fetus or, you know, her cell or anything like that. It was a baby. And mom was having to make a decision about whether she was going to allow the, the life of her child to be taken. That was, there was no way we could get around that. This is what the abortion clinic uh, was and that's what it does. The, 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 the tough part was literally having that conversation that she could talk freely, and then if there were other needs needs that that she couldn't meet to begin to meet those needs, to begin to let her know that she wasn't in this all alone, and that she could do what she knew was the right thing to do, oh my goodness, and and still move on with her life. Those were critical and very precious
0: conversations. I know your your wife has been... uh at your side the entire way through this journey and continues to be so. And uh, tell us tell us a little bit about her and uh, how your how your lives are, are are going here.
1: Well, my wife's name is Lori. She's my Proverbs eighteen twenty two. 22. The Bible says a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Solomon had good things, but God gave me a great thing in, in Lori, my wife. And she's been with me every step of the way. Uh, she's been through it all, and she continues to, to uh, partner with me wherever I go, and I can't begin to imagine what our ministry would be like, this like foundation ministry would be like without her, because in some parts of this discussion, only so far a man can go, and you, you need to hear from a woman, and so I am so glad that my wife is with me. And so glad that God has blessed me.
0: I was really impressed in Rob's book. He uh, uh, told some of the stories involving you and Lori, and how she uh, she's not she's not just doing the paperwork in the background. She's <laughs> she's a she's a feisty woman, and she's a a, a wonderful and powerful speaker <laughs> herself, isn't she?
1: <laughs> she yeah. Is. She, is. She, is. she she she's incredible. Uh, matter of fact, we just got back from Louisiana, but she was there, one of the speakers there at the program. So yeah, yeah, she's gifted. Uh, and she knows how to talk about it. And oh, my goodness. So um, what a blessing she is to me.
2: Well, you know, Walter has a habit of speaking softly. And this is this is Walter's demeanor. Most of the time. This is this is how so when he's talking, in general, um, you're going to get this uh, subdued person making interesting, profound statements. And then next to him, Loria will get a chance to speak and she'll re- just absolutely let people have it.
0: <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. will.
2: She'll just start, Start. well, no, I'll tell you exactly what's going on here and then she'll. Well,
0: Walter, you, yeah. You your, your manner changed a few hearts and heads in, in prison, didn't it? You, you had, you got your own flock in there. It did. It
1: did. It, 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 it turned out that uh, while I was in, locked up, I was in prison, that the uh, brothers and I were having prayer at midnight like Paul in and Silas, uh, And I was famous. The, the word had gotten out, the paper came out, and the brothers knew that I was the guy in the paper, and that's why I was there. And oh my goodness, while we're having prayer uh, at midnight like Paul and silence, the brothers are talking to me. Many of them are hurt. And in their heart, uh, much like your son regarding the abortions in their life. And when we got a chance to talk about it, when we got right down to it, when we could have that intimate conversation, it was amazing what God would do with that. And so many lives and hearts and minds would change. Many of the brothers came to Christ. Oh my goodness, uh, I was blessed. I didn't anticipate this <laughs> ministry in prison. But uh, yeah, God had His way, and God got together.
0: deal. You stay in touch with any of them? You still see them from time to time?
1: There's one uh, one guy I, I stayed in touch with the entire time, and even uh, even though he was he he got out and went back to jail for uh, his entire time while he's there. He's out now, and he's he's not making that mistake anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I stayed in touch with them because this one particular gentleman—he really saved my life, maybe two or three times. Wow. I
0: well, I was uh, digging around just a little bit, uh, and I—I I, uh, I ran across some statistics about abortions in the United States. They're a little bit hard to—is they're a little bit hard to nail down because of because of the uh, way that they're reported and not reported in certain ways. When you ask the CDC about it, they have a problem in that not every state will even report their, their abortion numbers to the CDC. But the Guttmacher Institute seems to do a little more thorough job in the way they go about it. And uh, this was a fascinating number to me that uh, in according to them in 1993, 94, right in there, that's when abortions peaked in the United States at 1.6 million. I'm sorry, that was 1990, 1. 1.6 million. In that one year, and now we're down under one million on an annual basis, and it dropped pretty quickly between 1990 and 2020. So I, I guess uh, you know you you have uh, your hard work is starting to bear fruit in that in that respect, and even with all of the uh, the protests and the the screaming that we've seen since the Roe v. Wade uh, announcement. Uh, people seem to be finding a way to not have abortions as much as they did not, not that long ago.
1: Well, yes, you're right. Uh, uh, people are, are, are coming to the reality that what's on the inside of that woman is a, a person, a, a human being, a distinct uh, human being. And abortion takes the life of an innocent human being. And the more that becomes clear, Uh, the the more clear uh, the decision is to have or not have an abortion you know exactly what an abortion is You know exactly what abortion is doing and so yeah I I would say yes and if you're talking about statistics uh, yeah the Alan Guttmacher says 28% of all abortions come from my neighborhood Uh, but the CDC says that's 38% and the CDC doesn't have maybe five or six states including the state of California performs more abortions than any other state in the union. Uh, even without this, all these additional numbers, is 38%. And let me break that down just a little bit. We're talking about 38% of all abortions coming from just black America, but half of black Americans are women. So now we've gone maybe 14% of the population, We're down about seven, well, 7% or so are women. But when you uh, break that down in the childbearing age, you go from I don't know, 13, uh to 44, something like that, you're now going from 7%, you're down to about 3.234%. And all oh my goodness, when you consider that about 3% of the, of the population in the United States of America is responsible for either 38% of according to the CDC or 28% of according to the Allen Gretman Institute, you begin to realize the huge Impact abortion is having on black America.
0: Yeah, I'm going to let it go there, um, Walter. As I said at the beginning, it's a wonderful meeting you because I enjoyed the book so much, and I felt that I uh, I got to know you very thoroughly from the good work that uh, that Rob did. Again, the book is called Black and Pro Life in America, and from that you'll want to branch out and read Walter's book Leadership from the Inside Out. What is that about?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that uh, while I was in, in, in church, working in church, their pastors uh, have young men that want to become preachers. They want to become leaders in the church, but often the pastor's busy. He's he swamped. You know, his death is just overwhelming. And so he, he needed a way to actually train up young leaders uh, in the church. And so my book does it all for me. He can just pass out the book. It lays out exactly how they should should cover it. And so it it becomes a a tremendous blessing to me. So that's what the book's about.
0: All right. Again, that's Leadership from the Inside Out by Walter Hoy, H-O-Y-E. And Black and Pro-Life in America by Rob Artigo. Rob, that you must have a you must get a great deal of satisfaction and gratification from uh, not only the the publication of your book, the fact that it's been so well-received and uh, the, fact, the fact that uh, people are chasing you both down now because of something that just broke in the news.
2: Certainly. the When I, I looked at, I can look at the statistical information, just a graph line on Amazon, and I can see where when Walter does certain interviews and is, makes certain appearances, you can see where the book sales jumps up. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at that and maybe call it a, a little bit of a, um you know kind of an ego thing you go oh that's kind of cool the book's selling but but in reality what it comes down to and the most important thing to me is that it's that this story walter's story is part of the conversation all that work and effort i went into didn't just stagnate it uh it, it told a story um that is important and was relevant when it came out in 2018 yeah and it and over the years as things have have happened this abortion debate has continued and raged on and I've seen where the book has made a difference. And, and that is um, you know, it's having a reach that um, that amplifies everything about Walter's story and the truth behind it.
0: First, it was your phone. Now it's mine. Excuse me. (laughs) All right. Well said, both of you. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Walter bless you and your good work. And I hope you're able to continue with it for many years.
1: God bless you. Thank you so much. And again, I I wanted to, you know, Robert, what an outstanding job you did writing today. Thank you, Walter. You guys take care.